things he has done. Beloved, this is the day that the Lord has made. And the Bible says we ought to rejoice. Oh, I'm in here by myself. I said this is the day that the Lord has made and we should rejoice and be glad. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got distracted. I was looking at all these wonderful faces on this morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you on this Lord's Day. For those who are not familiar, my name is Brandon Reddick, and I have the privilege, the honor, and the stewardship of serving as the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church where we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. On behalf of all of our elders, staff, members, and all of those who comprise the body of the Bridge Church, we say welcome and thank you for being with us on this Lord's Day. It is now time for us to worship the Lord through the preached word. God has spoken, and he has something to say to all of those who would hear. And so now let's hear from heaven. Look, at, look with me in the book of Romans, the New Testament book of Romans, chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, beginning with verse number 3. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse number 3. As is our custom, let us stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Romans chapter number 12, beginning with verse number 3. You know, I haven't heard y'all in a while, so let's read this together. We have it on the screens for you. We read from the English Standard Version when we read together. And so if you have that version, feel free to read from your Bible. If not, you can look on the screens. Let us read together, beginning with verse number three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, 
the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We've been in this series now for a few weeks where we are dealing with household issues. It's as if we've had a family meeting and we've said to one another, we need to get our house in order. That's what my family will be doing soon and very soon since our children have forgotten that they have chores to be completed. And their mother and I have enabled them by doing them for them. And so we will be having a family meeting to get our house in order. That, oh, hey, 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 I feel it already. And, and so we are having a family meeting here at the Bridge Church to talk about what are our responsibilities as members of the British church, but also just as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we've been looking at. And so we started this by talking, making a case about membership, why you belonging to a, lo a local church matters and why there are patterns and examples of local church membership in scripture. And then from there, we said one of the Christian duties and one of the expectations of members of the British church is to be a generous giver, for we model what God has done for us in giving his very best for us. For John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, you just wanted me to finish the verse. You missed a good spot to say amen because the, the text says that whosoever believes. That means that you and me are candidates to be in the family of God. Despite our past, despite our history, despite our transgressions, despite our sins, God still shed his love on us. It's time to wake up because we were not candidates. We did not earn God's love. We did not deserve God's love. It was all of his sovereign will that he shed his love on sinners like you and I. So we said we imitate God. We are actually show our gratitude towards God's grace by giving generously. And we looked at that for a couple of weeks. But then we also said that being a part of a church means that we are part of a body. And so community matters. I was reading something this week that says a lone ranger Christian is an oxymoron. We were created for community. Uh, to, to be a faithful image bearer means that we must live in community because God himself lives in community. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And so we must live in community. And one more thing that we want to highlight this week is that our Christian duty and the expectation of members of the British church is to serve the body of Christ. And that's what Paul deals with here in Romans 12. He begins verse 3 with that conjunction 4. 
And whenever you see a for in the text, you need to go back and see what it's there for. And so up until this point, Paul has been dealing from Romans chapter 1 through 11. Paul has laid out the doctrine of the gospel. He explained the total depravity of man, that there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. And he's revealed that because of our depravity, we deserve God's righteous wrath and judgment. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment that we deserve. Our judgment, the wrath of God was put all on Jesus Christ. Christ. Paul has explained that he's taught on the benefits of the gospel, such as justification, sanctification, and reconciliation. And so now, beginning with chapter 12 all the way through chapter 15, he moves from doctrine to duty. In other words, Paul now, he says, I've explained to you the gospel, the benefits of the gospel. What then are the implications of the gospel? And Paul begins chapter 12 with these words. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. I I like that last part. He says, this is your spiritual worship. That that word in the Greek literally comes from where we get our word logical. Paul says, this is the logical worship. For all that God has done, it only makes sense to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Paul tells his readers in us that the response to the gospel is a life wholly and fully dedicated to God. That's what he means by living sacrifice. The gospel demands complete surrender of one's life in service to God. And because of all God has done for us in saving us, justifying us, reconciling us, we owe him all of our life. Nothing is to be withheld from God. And so Paul moves to verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, and he says, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thus, to be wholly dedicated to God is to not to be conformed to this world. Paul is telling us, don't be shaped by this world. Don't let the world mold your worldview, your values, your beliefs, your behaviors. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul makes it clear that transformation occurs through a different way of thinking. We need renewed minds to be totally committed to God. Our minds, beloved, have been infected by sin, infected by sin. That's total depravity. But through Christ, our minds can be renewed. 
We can think rightly about God, ourselves, and our fellow man. We can think rightly about our duty to God and to our fellow man. And Paul now, that's my introduction. I'll get to my text now. Paul now continues on this theme of a renewed mind, beginning with verse number three. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Four times in verse three, Paul uses some form of the Greek word for think. Three times in verse three, it's translated in our English, think, but the fourth time, it's translated judgment. Paul makes it clear by way of repetition that his main point is about our way of thinking. And he particularly wants us to think rightly about our gifting verses, in verses 3 through 8. How do we know Paul is talking about gifts here? Well, he begins verse 3 by talking about the grace that's been given to him. In verses 3 through 8, grace doesn't here refer to saving grace, but rather it refers to spiritual gifts. Paul refers to spiritual gifts as grace. So he wants, he, 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 there are three ways that he wants us to think rightly about these graces, these spiritual gifts. First, he wants us to be very clear that spiritual gifts are a grace. Spiritual gifts are grace gifts. Beloved, they are not given to us because we deserve them or earned them. They are not given to us because of who we came from or where we came from. They are given to us all out of God's divine favor. You can't work for them. You can't earn them or pay for them. It's all of grace. Secondly, he wants us to think rightly about gifts in that not only that they are a grace, but they're also from God. He says, he said, it, it is God who assigns them. God is the one who bestows gifts upon his children. See, gifts are manifestations of the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. God is the giver of grace gifts. These are not man-made gifts. Because God is the giver then of grace gifts, that means God gets the glory. And beloved, that is the ultimate goal of grace gifts. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 saying, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. It is the glory of God that is the end of all things. So he says if we're going to have a renewed mind and think rightly about gifts, since they are an act of grace, and because they come from God, 
then we ought to think soberly about ourselves. Let's see if we can get some cultural context. You see, the Roman Christians knew they were gifted. However, these grace gifts led to spiritual pride. Some thought they were better than others. Others thought they didn't need others. They were using their gifts to boast and to brag, and Paul says that's wrong. He says, rather than overthinking about yourselves and overestimating your gifting, you ought to think about yourselves with sober judgment. What is sober judgment? Sober judgment literally means to be able to think in a sound or, watch this, sane manner. Beloved, to be spiritually proud, then, is a form of insanity. He says, rather than being insane about your gifts, you ought to keep your head. Don't get big-headed because you're gifted. This is what it means to have a renewed mind regarding grace gifts. So Paul deals with gifts because that was God gives us in order to serve him and one another. See, Paul wants us, he wants to make it clear that you cannot be call yourself dedicated to God and surrender to God and not serve him. So Paul moves from a renewed mind about gifts to a revealing metaphor about gifts in verses 4 through 5. He uses this metaphor of a body. Verse 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul uses this metaphor of the body to reveal the unity and diversity of the church. He says there is one body. However, that one body is made of many members or, or parts. And each part has its own function. He says it's the same way in the church. We are one body in Christ. We are the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head. That's our unity. We are one. However, we are diverse in that we are individually members of the body. Each member of the body has a role to play. Each member of the body has its own function. And the body needs each member to thrive as God created the body to thrive. One of the insights that we can gain here that we must know is that every believer has a grace gift. Every believer has the, a grace gift. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he comes bearing gifts. And here's the thing. You can't be saved, help me Holy Ghost, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. 
No Holy Spirit, no salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that awakens our dead bodies to live through Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us even the choice, the decision, the faith to put in Jesus Christ. It takes the Spirit to give us everything we need to believe. So when the Spirit comes, he gives at least one gift to every believer. Now, before I leave this revealing metaphor, I want to emphasize a phrase that we all too often gloss over when we read Romans chapter 12, verse 5. He says that we are, here's the phrase, members of one another. Other translations say we belong to one another. Beloved, we have got to get this. We must grasp this reality in the church. See, see, we've been conformed to this world to value personal liberty, independence, and self-autonomy. And that's fine for a country. But it's not okay for the kingdom of God. Here is our value. We value that we belong to one another. We have a commitment to one another. We are one body, which means we need one another. I need you and you need me. We are not to be independent of one another, but dependent on one another. Oh, that the church will get this collectivistic mindset. And it's about the group more than the self. This, beloved, is countercultural. This is what it looks like to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the problem that we have in the church is that we've conformed to this world to think that it's about me and mine. And you're on your own. But transformed mindset, no, it's about the whole body. I need my arms. I need my legs. I need my feet. They all have a function to play. We're speeding through this. Let us get down to the real mandate in verses 6 through 8. So given everything that Paul has said, he gets to the real mandate in verse 6. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's the mandate. And why did I call it a real mandate? Well, one, because I needed another R word. <laughs> but two, because in the church we act like it's not real. Someone said in our group on Wednesday night, they said, you know, the bridge is kind of like every other church uh, that follows the 2080 rule. 20% 20 of the people do 80% of the work. And beloved, if that's true, that ain't biblical. Let me give it stronger. If 20% of the people do 80% of the work, we are outside the will of God. I need 
100% of my body to work like God intended it to work. So for us to be in the will of God, we need 100% of the, the body of Christ, the, 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 of this local church called the Bridge Church, doing its job, playing its role, carrying out its function. Here's a real mandate. Use your gifts. We can have the altar call now. That's the application. Paul makes it easy for us. This is the point of everything he said up to this point. If we are going to be fully surrendered to God, totally committed to God, all in with God, then we've got to serve. You are outside the will of God when you don't use your gifts. Beloved, to not use one's gifts is a sign of ingratitude. You were gifted to serve the body. God graced you with gifts. And when you don't use your gifts, you say to God, I'm, in, I'm not grateful for your grace. Now, let me make it clear. You were gifted to serve God through the body of Christ. You have been gifted to serve the church. So now Paul goes on to give some examples of grace gifts. He says that if you have the gift of prophecy, use it in proportion to our faith. Help me, Jesus. What is prophecy? I'm going to spend most of the remainder of our time talking about prophecy. Then we'll speed through the rest of these gifts that Paul gives us. And I want to spend some time on prophecy because it's been misused, abused, and prostituted in the church. And so I want to expound who this gift is for, but then I want to place some guardrails on this gift of prophecy according to God's word not Brandon's opinion. Prophecy, beloved, is always about what thus says the Lord. To prophesy is to speak for the Lord. I hope you sense the weightiness of this gift and this task. And so, because we are speaking for thus said the Lord, when a prophet speaks, he or she is saying, the Lord told me to tell you. And, and if we're not careful, then we may be lying on the Lord. And so we got to be careful of who we, who we affirm this gift in. Uh, see, oftentimes we equate prophecy with predicting or foretelling the future. The truth of the matter is that in Scripture, the predicting or foretelling of the future is the least used aspect of the gift of prophecy. Biblical prophecy includes confronting people with their sin, 
Just, just read any of the minor or major prophets in the Bible. Here's what they do. They go to a people and say, you've left your first love. You have been unfaithful to the covenant that you made with the Lord. And they call out their sin. That, that, that's part of prophet, a prophet's work. Not only do they confront people with their sin, but they rebuke people for unrighteousness. They call sinners to repentance. They warn of destruction for a lack of repentance. That's the prophet's work. The prophet's also is to reveal the word of the Lord. So in summary, prophecy is the gift of confronting others with sin, calling them to repentance based on God's revelation. I believe this gift can be used in many ways. I believe all preachers who stand in the name of Jesus Christ and on the authority of God's word have the gift of prophecy. We preach what thus saith the Lord. And so, yes, I stand here as a prophet today. Not that I got some new revelation, but I'm here to proclaim what's already been revealed in God's word to God's people. Now, 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 but let me make something clear. I told you I wanted to expound the use of this, this gift. It's not just for preachers. Prophecy be, can be given to any believer. Recall in verse 3 that Paul says that he's speaking to everyone among you. Not to the elders, not to just prophets, but he's talking to the whole congregation. And to the whole congregation, he says, if you have the gift of prophecy, then use it in proportion to your faith. So it's not for some select group of men or women, but this gift can be used by all in the congregation. Not only do we see evidence in, in Romans chapter 12, but we also see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophes prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. He's speaking to the whole congregation. He says, I wish that you all would prophesy. So Paul clearly says that I wish that all of you had the gift. And so that it's not just for preachers, but it can be in the body. Have you ever met someone who is, is, is not afraid to, to tell you what thus said the Lord, to tell you, look, that ain't right. That don't align with God's word. Turn from that wicked way. That, that, that person may have the gift of prophecy. Now, what then is the purpose of prophecy? Because we think it's all about foretelling the future. That's not what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe around verse 3, Paul says that the prophetic gift is to speak to people, here it is, for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's the pur purpose of prophecy, for their upbuilding their encouragement and their consolation. 
not to just get a new car. I follow someone on Instagram. Don't ask me why I follow them. And weekly, they said, I, I speak $72,000 into your life. I didn't get it. How do you know if someone is a false prophet? Let's just see if it comes true. That's the book of Deuteronomy. You can check it out yourself. The purpose of prophecy is for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation of others. All right. Those are some guardrails that I wanted to put on this prophetic after prophecy, going back to Romans 12, Paul mentions serving, the gift of serving. That word for serving comes from the same Greek word that we get our word deacon. So it has to do with serving in all of its forms. So in other words, he can say, if you've got the gift of deaconing, then deacon. Now remember, let me get in some trouble. Let me get in some trouble. I'm ready for the emails and the text messages. I ain't scared of y'all. <laughs> Paul says back in verse 3 of Romans 12, he says, I'm talking to all of y'all. Who is all of y'all? Men and women. There are some women here, obviously. <laughs> and to the men and the women, he says, you may have the gift of deaconing. So I'm convinced, if you go to Romans chapter 15, he actually calls out, I believe it's Phoebe, he calls her a deacon. Phoebe was a female. So to me, it seems like the New Testament gives license for the local church to have female deacons. By the way, there are only two biblical offices in the church, elder and deacon. And one of those, he says, Clearly here in Romans, we're just dealing with Romans today. Don't fuss, don't fight, don't email me. For deacons, he says, both male and female can have that gift. That's free. That's not even in my manuscript. But he says that there are those who just have a heart for serving. There are those who says, if there's anything that needs to be done, I'll do it. Then he moves from the gift of serving to the gift of teaching. Teaching has to do with the dissemination of information. It is for the purpose of instruction and learning. So the teaching gift has to do with explaining the meaning of Scripture. The, the prophet reveals, the teacher explains. So he says, if you have that gift of teaching, then teach. Now, there are some who are going to say, well, one of the reasons I can't use my gift at the Bridge Church is because y'all don't have any avenues or programs for me to exercise my gift. Let me tell you why. We've been waiting on you. <laughs> Rather than start something and just get a warm body in that position, we decided, hey, we're going to wait until the Lord sends us that person. And when the Lord sends us that person, then we can start that new program. 
look, look, look. The text says, thank you, Holy Spirit. The text says, since we have these different, varied gifts of God's grace, use them. He never says, wait to be asked to use them. See, one of the problems that we have in the church is that we have people sitting on their gifts because a pastor or some other ministry leader hasn't asked you to use your gift. No, 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 no. The responsibility is on you, Christian, to do what thus said the Lord. And he said, use them. Now, now, we can equip you and we can assist you with figuring out a way for you to use your gifts. But don't wait on us. Okay. The next gift in verse 8 he, is the gift of exhortation. What is that? That means encouragement. It has to do with encouraging others to achieve what has been taught. So those who have the gift of, of exhortation are excellent encouragers. They, they, they have the ability to counsel others and how to live out the will of God. The next gift is in verse 8, deals with generosity. Yes, generosity is, one, it is an expectation of every Christian. Let me repeat that. Generosity is the expectation of every Christian. I need somebody to say amen to make sure y'all getting this. The, no, no, not yet. Generosity is the expectation of every believer. But there are some that God gives an extra measure of faith and gifting and that they can go above and beyond. Like they, they are generous and they love it. They are generous and they can't wait to be generous again. Paul says, if you have a gift of generosity, then do it. Be generous. This gift of generosity has to deal with contributing financially to the meeting of needs in the congregation. And Paul says, with this gift, do it generously rather than with some ulterior motive. Don't give generously, think you're going to get a seat on the elder team. Don't give generously and want some kind of congratulation from somebody. Don't give generously and want your gift announced to the church. That's an ulterior motive. Don't, don't give generously in order to buy God's blessings. Give generously with no ulterior motive. Then he says there's the gift of leadership. These are individuals in the church who have the gift of influencing others, overseeing others, supervising others to accomplish a mission. He says, if you have the gift of leadership, lead with zeal. That word zeal means an earnest commitment to discharge an obligation. In other words, lead with devotion. Don't lead half-heartedly. Be devoted to the task of leadership. Finally is the gift of mercy. And this has to do with meeting the needs of the sick, the suffering, the hungry, widows, orphans, the afflicted. He says, when you, if you have this gift, do it with cheerfulness. As we close, one of the questions that you've been asking throughout this whole sermon is, Pastor, 
okay, you've made it clear that I'm supposed to use my gift, but I don't even know what my gift is. So how do I discover my spiritual gift? Let me give you a few ways. One, pray for wisdom to discern your gift. Pray for wisdom to discern your gift. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously. Pray for wisdom to discern your gift and listen for God's answer. Two, another way to discover your spiritual gift is get to work. Start serving any and everywhere you can. If you serve on the hospitality team, whenever we get that again, if you serve on the hospitality team and you get no joy from being hospitable, that ain't your gift. (laughs) If you start serving on the worship team and we have to turn down or turn off your mic, that ain't your gift. But if you serve on the audio-visual team and you love clicking that button to make the slides go, then that's your gift. I don't know what it's called, but we're going to call it clicking the button. If you like pointing that camera, actually, the camera is, okay, let me do another one. The camera is stuck on the wall. Stop. But just start serving. Find a place where there's work to be done and start serving. And God, through your actions, will honor that and give you a sense of of where you can serve. Thirdly, seek affirmation from others. We're one body for different members. I told you earlier, we need one another. And there are people that know you and know you well enough to say, hey, I think your gift may be such and such. For, for, for all, for, as, as a young boy, there were people speaking into my life letting me know that I had the gift of teaching. And so I was able to uh, uh, experience that or, or try it out. And it brought me joy. And it seemed to be others were helped by it. But others spoke that. They they affirmed that gift in me. So seek affirmation from others of your gift. And fourthly, here's one that I like to do. There's nothing real spiritual about it, but I, I like to just ask people or ask myself, if money were not an issue and I can do whatever I wanted on the earth, What would I do that would bring me ultimate joy and satisfaction? That may give you a sense of where you are gifted. Ask yourself that question. If I didn't have to clock, not clocking, to show up to Coke every day, what what is it that I could do this thing that would bring me ultimate joy and satisfaction? That may give you a sense of your gift. And then fifthly, Y'all probably thought I was going to start with this. But I saved this one for last for, for a purpose. There are spiritual gifts inventories and tests that you can take that may give you a sense of your gifting. Now, the reason I saved this one for last is because 
we, we, we will take these spiritual gift tests and then use them as gospel. We will take the test and say, well, that's what the test says, so this is my gift. Then you'll start serving where you can use that gifting and we'll be like, this is a mess. That's not your gifting, but the test said this. No. So we just got to be careful. Use the, 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 the spiritual gift test, the inventory. That They are helpful. So please hear me say that they are helpful. Use them. But let that be a piece of the puzzle rather than the, that being the end all be all. Worship team, you can come back. Serving matters in the body of Christ. We are one body but individually members of one another. So how will you serve the body? We all want to be like Christ. One of the best ways we can be like Christ is to imitate the one who came to serve. The Bible, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. That's what it looks like. That's part of what it looks like to be like Christ. To serve others. Somebody, there may be someone here that before you can get to the practical part of serving, you need to recognize how Jesus has first come to serve you. And he has come to serve you and that he took the punishment that you deserve for your crimes against heaven and against God. He served you by taking your penalty, your punishment, and dying on a cross for your sin. That's how he's already served you. He's already died. He's already done all the work. He was buried in the grave. He rose so that you could be justified. So that you could be declared not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so for someone in this room or on this stream, your first response is to respond to Jesus Christ's service towards you by putting all of your trust and hope in Jesus Christ and him alone. Now, serving doesn't save us, but we are saved to serve. You, you can't do enough good things. You can't be a good enough person. You can't do en enough good works to be right with God. Only Jesus can do that. So now will you accept this free gift of grace by believing, trusting, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ for his cause and his person. If there is somebody else in this room, you are saved and you know you're saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But somebody in this room, maybe today, you respond to this word, first of all, by repenting. 
You need to repent because you hear clearly that you are gifted and you need to be using your gift, but you've been not using your gift. So today, somebody, you need to repent. Confess your sin to God and turn and make a commitment to be in the service of the Lord for the rest of your days. Somebody else, you need to demonstrate your repentance by actually getting in the game. It's time to get off the bench, get into the action, and start serving. That's what you were given gifts for, to serve the body, the church. So the question for all of us this morning is, how am I serving or how will I serve? This is, this is an easy application. For somebody else, you need to figure out, you need to discover what your gifts are. And today you've heard five ways of how you can start that process. And so now you need to be intentional about it. Stop procrastinating. Stop putting it on the back burner. Stop putting other things before it prioritize this. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your spirit, which comes bearing gifts. Father, we confess that we've been selfish and we've prioritized other parts of our life and have not been fully committed in service to you and to your body. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for not being fully surrendered, for not presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice regularly. God, for those who need wisdom, will you endow them with wisdom to discern where they are gifted and how they are gifted? God, we pray that we would not be a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But Lord, help us to strive towards the goal of 100% membership involvement and contribution. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself, your will, your character, your ways, your attributes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bless you.